Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. AMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Graybar Sports Open Line. Those good swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. Sports Open Line underway on a Friday night in, on KMOX. Nate Gatter in for Matt Pauley tonight. Matt is uh, getting ready to make his way down to Jupiter, Florida to provide us with some Cardinal spring training coverage. The Redbirds will be on the field for the first time in spring training this year, two weeks from tomorrow. Almost that time already. Tonight, we're going to be talking, of course, a lot of Super Bowl with uh, the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers set to square off 530 on Sunday evening. We're just under 48 hours away from kickoff in Vegas, where the Chiefs are still marginal underdogs, as they have been for uh, the last couple of playoff games as well. Both wins on the road in Buffalo and in Baltimore. We'll talk to Aaron Schatz of FTN Fantasy, who is in Vegas. He'll visit with us in just about 10 minutes here on Sports Open Line. Aaron Schatz, and I don't think we knew this when we booked him. Aaron's just a good guy to talk to, period. But he's also the only person with a vote who did not vote for Lamar Jackson as most valuable player in the NFL, as announced last night. He voted for Josh Allen. He has taken a lot of flack on Twitter. A lot of nameless, faceless Baltimore Ravens fan Twitter accounts who have very strong thoughts on Aaron Schatz and how he should or shouldn't be able to live and breathe and vote for things. Uh, We're going to talk about that. I don't know. uh, That might be a little bit more my personal opinion than what we'll get into with him. Certainly, we're going to have him uh, defend that vote, which he has done. He's uh, written at some length on FTN Fantasy about his rationale, said he he considered the top four quarterbacks, added Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott alongside Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and and sort of eliminated them for reasons that he lays out. Uh, Now, can you vote for a guy like Josh Allen to be MVP with uh, 18 interceptions compared to Lamar Jackson's seven? I don't know. That's a, a matter of personal preference. I think it certainly is a defensible position to say Lamar Jackson should have been the MVP. Maybe it's even a defensible position to say Lamar Jackson should have been the unanimous MVP. No, I'm not really sure what difference that makes. I would imagine Lamar Jackson gets a bonus for MVP. I doubt he would have gotten a bigger one if it were unanimous. The trophy's the same. So I don't think it really makes a difference. And certainly, I think that it's if you read what Aaron had to say that it's within the margin of error. It's close enough that nobody, I mean, you should never really be attacking people on Twitter on a personal level anyway, just because even if they deserve it, what are you really getting out of that? But certainly there's really no excuse for, for pretending that it's so obvious that there's something wrong with him 
uh, that he voted for Josh Allen. I think it is at least defensible, and he did defend it, and he will continue to do so when he is with us at 620. We'll also be joined by Stu Durando, who covers St. Louis Billikens basketball for the Post-Dispatch. He'll be with us at 635. Of course, it's been something bordering on a disastrous season for SLU this year. Just won their second Atlantic 10 game of the season against LaSalle this week on the road. It was their first road win in conference play. And uh, they'll continue that Philadelphia trip against St. Joe's. That'll be tomorrow morning, 1130 tip off here on KMOX. St. Joe's the only team SLU has beaten so far in the A-10 prior to LaSalle. It's a home win. They had to come from way behind, I think 18 points down to win uh, about a month ago, early January uh, against the Hawks at Chaffetz Arena. So they'll try to do it again on the road in Philadelphia tomorrow, just trying to climb back into some sort of contention in the A-10, trying to get themselves any positive momentum. Uh, Say what you will. I mean, and I have been, uh, I think others now have been as well. Certainly I have been uh, critical of Travis Ford frequently, including uh, at the end of last season when Chris May said that he expected Travis Ford to be the coach for a long time. I said I thought that was premature and a bit concerning. Uh, some of the reporting this year about what contract Travis Ford might or might not have, just how difficult it might or might not be to buy him out of said contract might inform why Chris May was so confident. Maybe that was his way of saying, not only do I think that Travis Ford is the right guy, but even if I didn't think so, I can't afford to get any other guy. Uh, So maybe that's part of the reason he said it. Either way, slew basketball is in a bad place, but no matter what you think about the job Travis Ford has done so far this season, at the very least, I think the Billikens have not quit on themselves. If you, I don't think they've let their heads drop in individual games from game to game. Uh, Bob Ramsey, had, the voice of the Billikens here on KMOX, has visited on, on other shows and has consistently said that he thinks the attitude is let's get this right more so than let's get this season over with. And there are plenty of teams, if they were in the Bills' position right now, especially college teams dealing with young players, who would have decided they've had enough basketball for a year and they're just going to be done and get into the off season and, and get to a place in their lives where they like basketball. Again, these guys are fighting through a time when they probably don't like basketball that much. Basketball certainly has not liked them that much, but they have kept fighting as evidenced by a game where they came back from almost 20 down to beat St. Joe's. They've had other big comebacks in games. They've ultimately lost. None of this is to cover up any of the bad things. But I, I do think they deserve some credit for continuing to fight. And we'll talk to Stu Durando about what the rest of the season outlook really is. What's a best case scenario for SLU? What do things look like for Travis Ford at this point? That'll be at 635. Speaking of disastrous seasons, Missouri men's basketball, 0-10 now in the SEC, the worst league start they've ever had. We'll talk to Eli Hoff at 720, who covers Mizzou for the Post-Dispatch. 735, Joe Roderick of Claves Online will join us. He will also be calling in from Vegas, where he's been doing some interviews and getting ready for the Super Bowl there on Radio Row. So a lot to get to, a lot of fun to talk about tonight. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can always tweet us at KMOX Sports. Ethan Hannaford, who's running things here for me, will be dutifully keeping an eye on any of those tweets that come in. You can also call or text us, 314-436-7900. That's the number to call or text, 314-436-7900. If you have thoughts on the Super Bowl, if you have thoughts on the MVP vote that was or wasn't, if you have thoughts on SLU basketball, Mizzou basketball, anything else, we want to get to them.
tonight on Graybar Sports Open Line. Nate Gatter in for Matt Pauley. We'll take a break, visit with Aaron Schatz of FTN Fantasy to talk about the Super Bowl and that MVP vote for Josh Allen, the only one not cast for Lamar Jackson. That's coming. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. But up next on KMOX. More Gray Bar Sports Open Line tonight from our KMOX studios. Nate Ganner in for Matt Pauley. Joined now by Aaron Schatz of FTN Fantasy, who is with us live from Vegas to talk about uh, Super Bowl 58 coming up on Sunday night, 5.30 kickoff, the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Aaron, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it, it seems like normally we'd start big picture, kind of talk about the game, whittle our way down from there. But I think we got to start with something separate from the Super Bowl because uh, you have found yourself in the news quite a lot the last 24 hours uh, after being the only media member with a vote who did not vote for Lamar Jackson to win MVP. Of course, he did win the MVP award. You went with Josh Allen instead. I read what I thought was your very well-reasoned and uh, and very thorough explanation of why you didn't. You want to give people maybe uh, the Cliff Notes version and uh, and what it's been like for the last 24 hours to be you? It's certainly been interesting. I kind of like, you know, brushed my shoulders off at first, and then I got kind of concerned about it, and then I went back to brushing my shoulders off, and I think I'm pretty okay. I've had a lot of support in the industry from people who've said, you know, I would have voted for Jackson, but you stick to your guns. You know, they've got you on the panel to vote the way you want to vote. And that's what I did. Uh, basically, it works out to the fact that if you look at any number of advanced metrics, whether they're mine or my competitors, you end up with both Dak Prescott and Josh Allen having better seasons than Lamar Jackson. And in general, it's not close. And while I do agree that Lamar Jackson used the eye test, right? They say he brings things that are unquantifiable. I think that that's also true about Josh Allen and Dak Prescott. The idea that Lamar Jackson brings unquantifiable things, but Josh Allen doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. And so I felt that as good as Lamar Jackson is, and despite the fact that Baltimore was the best team in the league in the regular season, clearly, I felt that he was third, and I put him third on my MVP ballot. If any of you have thoughts for Aaron, I'd be happy to relay them. I mean, within reason. Any questions, maybe instead of any thoughts, I should say, you can uh, text us at 314-436-7900, or you can just go tweet him. I guess plenty of people have been doing that today, but uh, hopefully they will do so a little bit more cordially. Uh, let, let's turn our attention to the Super Bowl, where we are going to see uh, Brock Purdy, who, as you noted in that piece, is by DVOA and a lot of the other 
popular advanced metrics, the runaway most valuable player in the NFL this year, but he is also part of the NFL offense that has, by a runaway margin, the most weapons against the man in Patrick Mahomes, who has proven Vegas wrong the last couple of weeks as an underdog. Just to start big picture, who do you like and why? Well, I, I am going the way that the odds makers go. I do like San Francisco by a small amount. I, you know, it's not a huge upset, certainly, if Kansas City wins this game. Uh, I think that the odds makers are pretty right on on the line, which is San Francisco by two, a little bit less than a field goal. Um, when you look at the larger big picture of the whole season, San Francisco was the better team, and in particular, the Kansas City offense for the last four years. So let's say that everybody's right and that the Kansas City offense is quote-unquote back to normal, like what it's been the last few years. That's still not as good as San Francisco's offense was this year. That's how good San Francisco was on offense this year. So I think the two teams are fairly similar on defense. I would give Kansas City the edge on special teams and on coach game planning, like as great as Kyle Shanahan is on divining a system, Reed and Spagnolo are better when it comes to single game opponent game planning. So it's a tough, close game, but I favor San Francisco by just a little bit. What do you think is the most important thing? You know, let's fill in the blank, I guess. If, if Kansas City wins, and again, it wouldn't be a tremendous upset, but if Kansas City wins, it's most likely because blank. Uh, San Francisco gives up on the run, and Brock Purdy throws a couple of interceptions that his interception-worthy throws turn into actual interceptions. Yeah, I keep waiting for it to happen, and it's just not happening. I know. Everybody does. The fact is, during the regular season, Patrick Mahomes had more interception-worthy throws than Brock Purdy. But in the playoffs, Purdy has had six only one of which was actually intercepted, whereas Mahomes in one more game has zero. And that seems like a big difference because the Patrick Mahomes we've seen as the Chiefs offense has sort of backslid a little bit and and he started to feel the dearth of weapons this season. It feels like the Patrick Mahomes we've seen this year has accounted for that by taking even more risks in many cases. And yet in the playoffs, he seems to have totally cleaned that up. Do you attribute that to some of his younger receivers, particularly Rasheed Rice, are not really rookies anymore by this point? Do you attribute that to the resurgence of Travis Kelsey in the playoffs, to how well the Chiefs have run the ball, especially between the tackles, some combination? What do you think it is? First of all, the Chiefs have not run the ball very well in the playoffs. Their running game improved significantly in the second half of the season, but has backslid in the playoffs. They have not been a very good running game in the playoffs. Absolutely, I agree with you about Rice and Kelsey. I think Kelsey being really reborn has been positive. There may be something to the idea that Mahomes just has ice in his veins when the pressure is there, and he's just playing out of his mind good, but... I will say that given that he had 21 interception-worthy throws in the regular season, the odds are he's going to have one or two in this game, even if he hasn't in the rest of the playoffs. Let's flip it the other direction. What's the biggest concern for both teams? The, the, the thing you think both head coaches would have trouble sleeping on Saturday night because they, they just can't get it out of their minds. For San Francisco, it's run defense. And for Kansas City, it's run defense. <laughs> Why? Because, I mean, first of all, the Kansas City run defense has been terrible all year. 
in particular against runs to the left side. And hello, here comes Christian McCaffrey in the outside zone runs to the left side behind Trent Williams. That's not good. San Francisco's run defense was average this season, but they've been bad in the playoffs. And I think that Shanahan looks back at the Packers running on him and Aaron Jones and then the Lions running on him all the time. And he's like, oh, God, are we doing this again? Like, are we going to give up a bunch of running yards again? Like, I would say that that is the biggest worry for both teams. Aaron Schatz is with us on KMOX, Chief Analytics Officer at FTN Fantasy. You can follow him on Twitter at A Schatz. That's A-S-C-H-A-T-Z NFL on X slash Twitter. Uh, Aaron, just a couple more uh, before we let you go. For for those of uh, of our listeners who might be into the uh, the prop betting, well, not the novelty prop betting market, but the regular prop betting market, any guys you particularly like, don't like to have a good game uh, because of this matchup? Yeah, I really like some of the San Francisco 49ers as MVP candidates based on the odds. I think that the people who vote on Super Bowl MVP, which I'm actually not a voter for a Super Bowl MVP, I think people, if San Francisco wins, are going to be looking away from Brock Purdy to try to give it to one of the weapons, that this is an opportunity to give Super Bowl MVP to a non-quarterback. So I like Christian McCaffrey at plus 450. I like Brandon Ayuk at plus 5,000. And I really like George Kittle at plus 8,000, along with George Kittle's over 47 and a half yards. Do you think this is a little bit getting away, I suppose, from the, the Super Bowl discussion, but on that point of, of maybe looking to give it to someone other than a quarterback if the Niners win and to, to the discussion about MVP that you really were only considering those top four quarterbacks in Purdy and Prescott in addition to Allen and, and Jackson, do you think we'll ever see again any realistic chance for a non-quarterback to win MVP considering you know how good McCaffrey has been this year, that he really wasn't a, a candidate, how good Cooper Cup was uh, a, a couple of years ago. It, it, do we ever get to a place where we're recognizing non-quarterbacks at that level again, and does it matter if we don't? No, I don't think we are, because analytics have shown the quarterback is the most valuable position in the game. If that's what you're going to call the award, his most valuable player, then it has to go to a quarterback. And it's not a huge problem because the offensive players have an award called offensive player of the year. And the defensive players have an award called defensive player of the year. And they should be very proud to win those awards, those non quarterback awards. I don't think the fact that fewer people considered Christian McCaffrey for MVP lessens his season in any way, because he won offensive player of the year. In fact, the players who may need an award are offensive linemen yeah. because nobody will ever vote for an offensive lineman for offensive player of the year. They'll only vote for wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. Would you be open to some kind of analytical statistic system where we're trying to, in order to discern value, we're sort of controlling for inherent positional value, where we're trying to, the- to gauge, say, how valuable was this quarterback relative to average versus how valuable was this running back relative to average to try to neutralize the inherent value of the quarterback position, the inherent influence it has on the game. If you're willing with, if you're okay with the fact that the last four or five MVPs would then have gone to some combination of Aaron Donald and Justin Tucker, then yeah. (laughs) The Justin Tucker one is tougher to swallow. I think, I think most people would feel like giving it to a kicker would just be a bridge too far. (laughs) 
there are some years where if you ask who is the best player in the NFL compared to the average at his position, the answer is Justin Tucker. But his position is nowhere near as valuable as other positions. Well, Aaron, we have really enjoyed having you on. You give us lots to think about. Uh, it's one of the reasons I think people are, are very wrong for, for being uh, loud and about criticizing uh, your vote because there's nothing wrong with having somebody who's willing to say, you know what, I think we might be wrong about this, and here's why. So thank you for doing that. And uh, all, all the support uh, from KMOX on, on uh, what I'm sure has been a high and low last 24 hours. Hey, thanks so much, and I hope everybody enjoys the Super Bowl on Sunday. Thanks a lot. FTNFantasy.com slash DVOA. There you go. Aaron Schatz with us here on KMOX. When we come back, we'll be talking St. Louis Billikens basketball with Stu Durando of the Post-Dispatch. That's next on KMOX. Nate Gatter in for Matt Polly as Sports Open Line from Graybar rolls on tonight on KMOX. So glad you could be with us on this Friday evening. We've been talking Super Bowl so far, but we're going to change gears with uh, the St. Louis Billikens back in action tomorrow morning, trying to make it back-to-back wins in the Atlantic 10. They're just 2-8 and eight in conference play this season, but did beat LaSalle Wednesday night, put up uh, over 100 points, 102-84. to 84, The victory in large part thanks to the 30-plus uh, from Sincere Parker, and they will continue their Philadelphia action on the road against St. Joe's tomorrow morning. That's an 11:30 tip off here on KMOX. Joined now by Stu Durando, who covers the Bills for the Post Dispatch. Stu, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, no problem, Nate. Thanks for having me. Let's start with Wednesday night and what you felt went right for SLU, which was uh, a slight underdog in that game. <laughs> yeah, that which is hard to hard to fathom because LaSalle was actually picked to finish last in the A-10, and SLU was sitting in last place in the A-10 when the game started. So it was a interesting matchup. Um, yeah, they just they were making shots, and um, they just really never slowed down from start to finish. Now, they were, you know, LaSalle is not the best defensive team in the conference. Both of these teams have had problems defensively, and, um, you know, SLU just uh, – ran into a not so good defense, but also was, was uh, functioning really efficiently and getting great shots. And um, you mentioned sincere. I mean, he could have, I mean, he would have hit 40 and who knows what, if he had played more minutes because he sat out almost all of the first half end up scoring 33 and 18 minutes. I think it was 18 minutes. So um, they just had everybody going on, on the same night. Except for Gibson Jimerson, I will say. He's due to break out here. Yeah, he's been in a little bit of a slump these, these last couple of weeks. Uh, eight games still left in the regular season. Let's start with uh, maybe trying to paint the rosiest possible picture. In your mind, considering that this is still a team that has some talent, especially at the offensive end uh, by A-10 standards, what do you consider the best-case scenario for Slew? Um, poof, at this, you know, right now, what I would think that, uh, I don't think it would be a stated goal, but I think it would be an accomplishment if they can get out of that bottom rung somehow that plays on the first day of the A-10 tournament. I don't know if that's doable. Um, there's still a lot of really tough games. There's a lot of games that should be winnable, but, um, they would really have to put together a winning streak to, to get out of that bottom rung, but they just, they need to start showing more improvement and and get the defense clicking somehow, functioning at a better rate. Because 
even you know with the win the other night, they gave up 80-something points, and they can't keep doing that and expect to score 90 and outscore teams. So um, if somehow they could dig out of that bottom group of teams to not have to play on the first day, that would be a major achievement, but very difficult at this point. Billikens beat writer Stu Durando of the Post-Dispatch is with us on Sports Open Line tonight. If you have any questions for Stu, you can text us 314-436-7900. Obviously, a lot has been made with how poorly the Bills have played, especially in league play to this point, about Travis Ford's job security. And with that, his contract situation, rumors have been flying around about a, a potentially very high buyout, a contract that is otherwise difficult for SLU to get out of. Uh, Chris May had commented to you at the end of last year that he anticipated Travis Ford to be the coach for quite some time. He made it seem like he thought job security was very, very good. Obviously, that seat is warmer now, bearing in mind that as compared to a public school, a lot of these documents are not public. And to the extent they are, it's on a you know multi-year delay that you're trying to get access to them. Just how difficult do you think it would be for St. Louis to get out of Travis Ford's contract at the end of this season if Chris May wanted to do it? I would say that's such been such a frustrating thing, and I guess it just generally is when you're dealing with private universities that don't don't want to and don't have to reveal information. So um, the only thing we know about Travis's um, contract is his salary, which was 2.4 something as of two years ago, and I'm sure it's right in the same range right now. Um, I think the belief is that just that there are there are still multiple years after this season. The question is how many is multiple and um, whether um, the contract calls for the full salary for each season that's remaining. It's it's a huge chunk of money for any school, let alone a, um, you know, a smaller Jesuit institution like SLU uh, to have to come up with if, if indeed that's the direction they're, they're going to go. So do you think that means if we assume that there are at least two seasons left and those are at least mostly guaranteed, it seems safe to say that at minimum, the amount of, of buyout money we're talking about here is three, four million dollars and it could well be higher. But let, let's assume that it's somewhere in that range, a, a year and a half to two years or so of salary that would be required. Is it safe to say in your mind that that's an expense that's beyond the typical balance sheet of the SLU athletics department and would require the impetus coming from donors who would have to essentially put up that money if they wanted Travis Ford out? um, I would think that, yeah, there'd probably have to be some money coming from, from some of those sources. I don't know that it's out of the realm of possibility for the, for the athletic department. Um, You know, when he, when he was uh, left Oklahoma state, he agreed to a, uh, a partial uh, right. buyout of what he was owed, but I think that also had to do with what um, what he was getting at SLU and just how that whole thing worked out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a big chunk of money. They're not used to paying that much. I mean, before Travis, um, the coaches were, you know, Jim Cruz was making like one, just a smidge over $1 million. So it's it's a huge difference from what was going on eight years ago when Travis was hired. I don't want to, again, I don't want to put you on the spot too much to speculate. It's your job to report, not necessarily to predict. But based on your sources and, and the, the finger you have on the pulse of the program, 
what do you think are the odds at this point? Again, bearing in mind that what happens over the remaining eight games, if the Bills, you know, win four or five of those eight games and get themselves out of that bottom group of teams and win a game or two in the A-10 tournament, maybe we're feeling like the outlook is a lot different and they just hit a rut this season. But where we are right now, what would you say are the odds that Travis Ford is the slew coach day one next year? Yeah, like you said, I'm not, I'm not going to go into prognosticating and, and, and given odds. Um, I appreciate the question and, you know, what people are wondering about. But, um, you know, I think that the administration, my, my uh, feeling and what, what I've gotten from talking to people is that they're just, you know, nothing's going to be done during the season. They're waiting right. for the end of the season to see where things stand. They were, you know, hoping that things were going to, uh, take a turn for the better in conference. And um, I think there's just still a lot to be sorted out before they, you know, before the bottom line uh, decision comes around. Well, we appreciate uh, all the work that you do, especially bearing in mind that uh, getting information, especially about these kinds of things, as you said, is is all the more difficult when uh, dealing with a private institution. So uh, in many ways, you know, you become the, the primary or even exclusive source of a lot of this information, and we really do appreciate it. Uh, Stu Durando joining us on Sports Open Line tonight. Stu, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Stu Durando of The Post-Dispatch. You can find him on Twitter. You can uh, read his articles at The Post-Dispatch. And uh, the be- by far the best way to uh, follow the Billikens, especially when it comes to uh, these kinds of conversations. We'll take a quick break, wrap up uh, the SLU conversation when we get back. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts. What does Travis Ford have to do over these final eight games to give you confidence that he could still be the Billikens coach going forward, or at least to give you enough confidence that you wouldn't want to put up three, four, five, eight million, whatever millions of dollars it is to move on from him. What would have to happen or is it too late? Are, are you done and, and out on Travis Ford no matter what happens? You can call or text 314-436-7900 to be a part of the conversation here on KMOX. Great Bar Sports Open Line continues. Nate Ganner in for Matt Pauley this evening. Matt will be back with you next week from Jupiter, Florida as the Cardinals get rolling on spring training. They'll play their first spring training game two weeks from tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, forgot to mention during that conversation uh, with St. Louis Billikens post-dispatch beat writer Stu Durando that uh, the Bills game tomorrow is at 11.30 tip-off. 11.30 tomorrow morning from Philadelphia against St. Joe's. You can hear it with Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. on these KMOX airwaves as the Bills try to get back-to-back A-10 wins for the first time this season. Just 2-8 and eight in the Atlantic 10 heading into action against St. Joe's, which was... Slew's first victim in the A-10. Do have some action on our text line. You can uh, call or text us 314-436-7900. First of all, we got a text uh, that I neglected to mention just at the end of our conversation about the Super Bowl with Aaron Schatz of FTN Fantasy from the 608, which team scores the first touchdown? And that would have been a much better question for Aaron than it is for me. I can tell you uh, in Vegas, the 49ers slightly favored to score the first touchdown. I think on DraftKings, I saw it was uh, minus 125 for the Niners, plus 105 for the Chiefs. Uh, I I think uh, probably good value on the Chiefs there, considering that they have played better in first halves offensively in the playoffs than the Niners have for whatever that's worth. I really do like the Niners in this game, uh, but I've picked against the Chiefs each of the last two weeks, and I've been wrong both times. So what do I know? Uh, with uh, respect to the Billikens, these last few minutes we have before we got to send you uh, to the news, got a text from the 314. It says, Travis is allowed to have a down season 
No changes are necessary. Stability is key to the long-term success of the program. If he follows with another clunker next year, then we can talk about coaching changes. I get that. But the issue with saying Travis Ford is allowed to have a down year is I don't feel like Travis Ford has had an up year since he's been at SLU. That's the real problem. You know, the high watermark for the Bills is 23 wins with Travis Ford leading the program. And 12 they, and twelve wins in the A-10, right. I believe, yeah. That's exactly right. 12 wins each of the last two years in the A-10, which is not bad, but it's not exceptional, especially because the standard should be very high. I mean, Travis Ford finished tied for second in the A-10 last year. That's good. Outside of that, never better than fourth. SLU spends the second most money. Again, this is according to... Post-Dispatch articles that, as we talked about with Sudorando, are a couple of years old because that's as fast as we can get access to information from SLU being a private school. But as of a couple of years ago, SLU spent the second most on basketball in the A-10 behind only Dayton and had the highest paid coach in the league, Travis Ford. So you, you don't pay a guy that much money to say, yeah, I hope we can finish fourth or fifth every year. You know, that, that'd be nice. Pay two and a half million dollars to a mid-major college basketball coach and say, as long as we're above the middle of the league, you know, I'm good with that. Yeah, they put themselves in a place, right, with the expectations going into the season year in and year out that they should be a tournament team. And for Ford to not be able to put them in that position, like you said, well, it hasn't been that he has been, it hasn't been bad turnout. I mean, 23 wins, 21 wins, it's not bad. But it's it's below expectation for what the program has seen in the last 10 to 15 years at times. You can honestly compare it very similarly to how the Cardinals organization, how fans have looked at past uh, managers, Mike Schilt, uh, you know, even Marmel a little bit now, a little bit of a different situation. But Mike Schilt never had a bad year with the Cardinals but he didn't make the playoffs in a couple of those years and they didn't go as far as the expectations were. So I don't think the question, like you said, isn't about having an one bad season, right? It's about consistently not hitting where the bar has been set by this program, which is what happened at Oklahoma state to him as well. I mean, it, it was rare. Maybe his last season was the only bad team he had at Oklahoma state. That was his only losing record. He's had very few losing records. In fact, He's uh, since Eastern Kentucky, where he really had a, a, a job to do other than Eastern Kentucky. He's never had a losing season outside of his first year at a new program. This is going to be probably the first time he's ever done that, except for the last year at Oklahoma State. So that's the, it's either first years or last years and, and things. The, the wheels kind of came off for him at the end of the Oklahoma State time. But that was, it was the same frustration is that he didn't buy himself a lot of goodwill for a down year because his up years at Oklahoma State were five NCAA tournaments in eight years, one NCAA tournament win. This year at SLU, or the, now in his tenure at SLU, one NCAA tournament appearance in eight years, counting this one. Now, the COVID team was pretty good, so maybe you, you give him some credit for that. They were 23-8, and 12-6 in the league uh, when, when COVID derailed the postseason in 2020. The year prior to that, though, they finished tied for sixth in the A-10. They were 10-8, and eight, which was, again, big progress from the team he took over, right? He took a team that was lousy before he got here, won 12 games, then 17, then 23. That's great progress, and he made the tournament because of a, a really good run in the, the A-10 conference tournament. If that hadn't happened, I'm not sure Travis Ford is still the coach now because you'd be looking at eight years with no NCAA tournament. So I, I think what I'm saying is, whether Travis Ford is a good or bad coach, the expectations are relevant are relative to 
the expect the evaluation is relative to the expectations of this program based on the money spent, the quality of the arena, the passion of the fans, and the salary that he's getting. If Travis Ford said, my results have not been up to a $2.5 million a year standard, and I'm going to cut my salary in half to keep my job the next couple of years, absolutely, I'm on board with Travis Ford continuing. I don't think that's going to happen. And he, he and this fan base need to, there needs to be more for this fan base with how much they're sinking into it. But it's not a bad point, and I appreciate that uh, text in to the number. We're going to take a break for news, and we'll be back with the second hour's Graybar Sports Open Line after this on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 